Hello. Hi. How are you? Good. Yourself? I'm doing good. Yeah? Yeah. Sweet. And you? Sweet. Good. It's awesome. Good. I, I see the, uh, the, the Leafs lost the second round, or the first round. Sorry, what was that? <laughs> But you don't follow hockey, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 I know. That's uh, that's exciting. There was actually, uh, I don't know if you follow Corey's uh, Meet the Geeks page, um, but even Corey commented about the hockey. I was surprised. Oh, yeah. No, I, 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 I don't think I saw that yet. But, well, he posted, yeah. uh, I don't know if you saw it or not, but there was someone dressed up as Darth Vader in the crowd. I can't remember which game it was, but one of the one of the, one of of the the last games. And it was Darth Vader, but all in white. Oh, in our game? Yeah. Yeah, I, I did see that. And then uh, yeah. in, in other news related to that, uh, Marvel.com, or Marvel, like the Marvel Facebook page, did a shout-out to Winnipeg. Oh, really? Yeah, they said, oh, we want to <laughs> congratulate uh, the Jets on their big win. Which is That's really weird. Cool. They mentioned Winnipeg. Like, why... Why is Marvel mentioning Winnipeg? Why are they even involved in hockey? Like, they're not, you know, they usually have nothing to do with sports in any way, shape, or form. Well, but, yeah, but I don't think Marvel Marvel has nothing to do with Darth Vader either. That's all Disney, right? Yeah, that's Disney. Well, Disney owns Marvel now, so. Oh, okay. Because I was going to say it, was a, it would have been a, a good uh, a promotion thing, but I was going to say if they got nothing to do with it, then they really had nothing to to gain from it but I guess if, if they did then there you go free marketing <laughs> um, in, in other in other news I guess where we are on the Marvel map but um, Marvel just held a contest across Canada and there was hidden Marvel items in uh, each major Canadian city and uh, whoever found it would get a, I don't know if they got um, they get a special viewing of the Avengers movie that's coming up this weekend so, okay, but there was something hidden in Winnipeg somewhere that you could find, and if you could find it, then you'd be the one uh, you'd be getting tickets to the uh, the special release in Winnipeg, and they're giving a bunch at that special release. Whoever gets tickets to it are getting a whole bunch of swag and special things that no one else will get. Well, so it gives everybody the opportunity to trespass against everybody, and then they'll say, uh, "Well, no, I shall <laughs> no, look no. for." Uh, <laughs> I'm looking for this Star Wars thing. Oh, well, there's a Mike Lake. Excuse what are you doing in my underwear drawer? <laughs> yeah. Uh, a Star Wars ticket. <laughs> That's awesome. A Marvel ticket, yeah. So, uh, w- with that contest, I, I saw the results of it, and uh, Thor was the official Avenger of Winnipeg, is what they Thor. had. Yeah, we got Thor. Yeah. This is pretty cool. It's cool that they're interacting in that way. They didn't do a contest like that in in the U.S. Right. So that's kind of cool. Kind of cool we're on the map. Well, you heard about Thor? Did I hear about Thor? Yeah. Well, when he came down when he came down to Earth, did you hear about that? <laughs> if this is a joke, no, I don't think I've heard this one. No, well, Thor came down and and then uh, you can say Winnipeg if you want and, uh, and he found someone to shack up with for was it uh, 40 days and 40 nights and then on the, uh, and on the last night he stood up and he said I'm Thor uh, she says you're Thor I'm so Thor I can't even piss 
<laughs> oh, Jesus, Todd. Ah, I walked right well, into that cut, one. You can cut that one out if you want. <laughs> no, I'll keep it in. All right. Uh, before we get started on the topic, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I've been trying to do this every episode. I'm trying to pimp KeyCon's coming up. Yes. Uh, in May, May long weekend, Victoria Day weekend. Our podcast team will be there. We're even going to try to somehow get Tracy there at at least remotely. Right. The con, we're going to do some, do some stuff. So, Todd, you will be there, I assume. Oh, that was, yes, for sure. And uh, be awesome. Yep. And then uh, Tracy's going to call in. And then uh, Corey, our newest member of the team, will be there as well. Um, so I get a little bit extra, a little bit of extra news on that front. We're doing that. We're doing a, a Star Wars panel at the at the convention. Right. That uh, you're obviously aware of. That you are aware yep. of. Um, yep. We might actually. We're still in final negotiations, but we might have a special guest. Ooh. Yes. Yeah, I didn't hear about that, but okay. Yeah, but we're not going to spoil anything. I'll tell you after. Okay. Um, but it looks very likely that that will happen. So we're just kind of making some final adjustments. And if it works, that person will be on the podcast that I want to try to put up before KeyCon starts. That's the plan. That's, that's not the one that was in the white Darth Vader outfit at, at the uh, White Oh, Island. my God. I'd love to get that guy <laughs> on the show. That would be freaking cool. I wonder who it was. I, I think I know. I think I know who it was. Mm-hmm. Um, probably part of the Manitoba Mandos. They're the guys that make their own armor, right? Out of this like plastic-ish material. Now would they be at KeyCon? Oh God, yeah. Because then, yeah, okay. Oh yeah, they're at KeyCon every year. Right. Yeah, so it could be one of those guys. It wouldn't surprise me if it was one of those guys, because those guys make like they'll make full Darth Vader outfits, Stormtrooper outfits. Um, they make it from scratch. They actually handcraft every piece of armor that goes on. It's nothing store bought. Everything is handmade, and the stuff right. is immaculate. It's really good looking stuff. Wow. So you are coming to the table with the topic today. So fire away. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, the topic today is. Um, electronic drums. Uh, what is your opinion of them? Would you use them? Have you used them? And if you did use them, where would you use them? Would you use them more in a studio? Would you use them live? Uh, and why? Okay. Now, I've got a bad memory, so we'll have to hit each one of those pieces one at a time so if I remember them all. Okay, well, the, the, first, the first one would be, have you ever used electronic drums? And if you did, you know, what type and, and just kind of... Sure, sure. Know, kind of a little... Okay, well, okay. Um, when the kids were born, I did this whole long... Well, you know the story, but I'll share it for the listeners. I, I had this whole thing where I was going to... Uh, I can't play drums anymore because they get the kids and, they, you know, it's too noisy. And if I'm ever going to play or practice, it's got to be when the kids are out with mom, you know, and it's just... It, it's It's too hard. So I started looking heavy into buying a set and seeing what the prices were and seeing if I would even like it because I've been kind of opposed to electronic drums for a long time previous. And uh, I tried them out and I tried out uh, a few Yamaha sets and a few Roland sets. Right. And um, 
I was blown away at the level of technology. Um, and your earbuds, they sound really, really good. Um, in fact, the better sets, it's even hard to tell that you're not playing real drums. Even the feel uh, of when you're hitting, uh, the look of the cymbals, the way the cymbals are, like, it's just, it's really like playing a real set. Visually, I guess for an audience, it probably doesn't look as cool. Um, but it, it sounds amazing. Um, and in terms of practicing, like after I try them out, I'm like, I, I gotta, I gotta get me a set. Now, I haven't bought that set yet because mm -hmm. the price, it's like buying a whole other drum set. The pricing is kind of similar to buying, uh, real drums. Uh, there isn't yeah. really that much difference. The price has come down in the last, I don't know, 10 years or whatever it is. So they're not right. as, as expensive as they used to be. But you could still get a kit for under a grand. And you could buy a regular drum kit for under a grand. Mm -hmm. um, and you can buy a kit, you know, you can buy a $10,000 kit too. Or I think the one the one I was playing was just over 5000 But yeah. they can do everything. Like, um, you could be Neil Peart out there with, with the orchestral sounds on the drums. Uh, the Roland one I tried... Uh, which was the high end. So I tried the highest of the high ends they had at Long McQuaid. And then mm -hmm. I tried the best of the low ends. Um, the guy I was dealing with was pretty good too. He's like, oh, we'll try this. And, you know, he knew his stuff. Um, so how, did the, how, how was the feel? Like the triggers were they, oh, the, it was, were they it was, pretty accurate? Even on the cheap one, like the low, mm -hmm. the low, the cheap one that was good. So the Yamaha low end kit is the best of the low end kits. Mm -hmm. uh, the Roland low-end kits don't sound good at all. The Roland high-end kits sound amazing. and It's like the Yamaha high-end kits don't sound as good. Um, they sound, they, I mean, they sound really good. But, I mean, if I had to compare, if I was, if I had all the money in the world, I would definitely get a Roland kit. Um, no, no questions asked. And I tried a, a bunch of different ones. They all had different um, number designations. So I'd, I'd, maybe I'll post that in the credits. Um, now, now, are you, now, when you're comparing, are, are you talking sound wise? Are you talking no, feel wise? Everything. Like, what, what, everything. everything. So, so kind the, of overall, yeah, overall end sound. So, the low end kits didn't have as good a feel, but you know, if you close your eyes, I mean, it didn't really notice that much of a difference. The high end kits look like real; they look more like real drum kits. Like they actually have like the snare drum is. It's not just a piece of plastic. It actually has, um, it you know, like a snare drum has a top and a bottom and then the body. This has the mm -hmm. same thing. And you're actually hitting yeah. what looks like and feels like an actual skin. I've um, seen those. They look like an actual drum kit, but yes. on the side where there's none of that hole, it's actually a jack where you plug in your, exactly. I guess, your, microphone, your, your cables. Yeah, now, just like on a real drum kit, you can buy a high-end snare for an electronic mm -hmm. kit. Um, and okay. it can, it, so even on the low end kits, you could kind of like, if you're hitting uh, hard or less hard, like on the Yamaha kit, you could actually tell the difference. But even if you buy a low end kit, you could still replace your snare drum with a higher end snare. If, cause I mean, that's the drum you get used the most, that in the bass, right? So right. you can still replace out like your snare, you got a better snare or even your cymbals, just like on a regular kit. So. Um, but on the high-end kit, like, the subtlety you could do, it was, it was like, it was playing real drums. Like, I was, you know, I could do some, 
some military uh, drum drum rolls on the on the snare, you know, da 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 da, like, and I could you know hit harder, hit softer, um, hitting different ends of the stick, like it had a lot of um, dynamic and the trigger points on it. Yeah. Yep. And then on the high end kits too, like the cymbals were were phenomenal too. They had multiple points of uh, contact uh, based on how you would hit a regular cymbal because sometimes you might hit it right from the side to get that bigger, wider splash. Um, but right. also if you hit the tip, so not hitting the side, but hitting the tip, it had a different sound. And if you hit in be- like in the middle part, in the middle ring, not the center part, but like kind of towards the middle ring, it has a different sound to hitting the bell or closer to the bell. So I had multiple contact points. Um, and again, like you could always buy the cheapest set and you can upgrade little piece, you know, little pieces of it to, you know, to get a far better set, just like you would on a regular kit. So it is fairly inexpensive to get started on one. And now that, you know, you and I are doing our thing, I'm really thinking I'm going to maybe just go rent because the monthly rental rate at Long McQuaid is, it's almost criminal how cheap it is. Well, especially when you have to have price days. Yeah, well, exactly. So I might look at that because I I've tried to play drums a few times in the house and I can't like the the whole time I was playing, Abby was screaming and she wasn't even up in the same level of the house. It was like right. too loud, too loud. Please stop, please stop. <laughs> so now I've got a question for you on the cymbals. Yes. Now you said there's different trigger points on the cymbal. Yeah. Now is it okay when you get to the bell? It's a certain signal. When you get to the middle, it's a certain signal. You get to the end, it's a certain. Now, is it just strictly uh, different blocks, or is it gradual? Like if you went like inc- on increments uh, on the actual symbol, does it change the tone as you go, or is it just kind of for you know for the first four inches, it's this. The next four inches is this. Well, it was a little bit so like the, the low end ones. Like I think there's like the bell, and I think. There's the bell, and then there's the general crash, and there might be two or three trigger points. So if you're hitting on the on the on the outside versus the middle versus the bell, there was like depending on which symbol it was, you'd get two or three contact points. So it, and it's not like you're either hitting you know you're hitting the outer, the middle, or or the inner. Like there's that's it. But okay. uh, this, is, this is almost like a rubber coating, right? Yeah, no, well, yeah. Well, it is a rubber yeah. symbol. Yeah, the symbol is rubber. Right. So, so there's con. So I don't know on the high end one. Like I really tried to, you know, take it apart and and make it like screw up, and I couldn't. Like I just couldn't. But I mean, that kit right. was well over five grand. So, right. um, so I, and I think it all. There's also like how. So there's all the contact points on the drums themselves, but there's also the computer program that comes with it, like the the head of the uh, of the, elect, of the electronic kit that you know processes it in different ways and that sort of thing too. So um, mm-hmm. if your computer on your on your kit's no good, you're going to be limited. But there's also so there's also other things on it that I really really liked, and it what it reminded me of is you know when you're playing your guitar through your computer and I can't remember what the name of the program is but you should plug it now the one that gives you different amp sounds mm-hmm. um, it has the, basically the same idea on it and you can play different types of kits in different types of rooms so if you want you to can... have the echoey concert sound you can with a Ludwig set for example or 
uh, a pearl set or you know or a Gretsch or, or whatever like you ha- you can you can really make it sound like anything you want you can individually change like if you want to say you want the pearl snare but you wanted a, a Ludwig you know Tom or something you can, you can mix and match them also yeah and again it's all depending on the head of the computer that you have the high end kit you the, the level of in- intricacy you can do and you can even and the other thing is you can do it on each individual um, snare or each individual piece of the kit so you may decide that you want your snare to be like super loud in the mix and you want your bass drum to be super loud in the mix but you want your toms to be a little quieter or louder or deeper or like depending on the computer head that you have you can just you could like divide your drum kit in a million different ways you may want a stadium sound for your snare drum but not the not for the rest of your kit like you only want your snare to echo or like or whatever like but that is the high end kit so the lower end kit <coughs> you can divide it up a bit but i think you're limited with the amount of sounds you might have 12 different drum kits in there that you can choose from sort of thing right but on the so high end kit you you could go on forever and keep you know never play the same sound twice you go probably so, so, weeks and weeks so now is the head a standalone unit or like is there a usb thing in there where you could say up update the sounds or, or add a different type of kit or something in the future like is it is it upgradable that, that way or is it pretty much that's the good, head is the head and that's it <laughs> that you know what i don't know that's a very good question i didn't ask that question Although with the, the addictive drums or, or, or easy drummer and all those other ones, uh, those are all triggers also that you could probably run through MIDI. Would that, would that be correct? Yes. If you want well, to run it through so, your computer. So two of the things you can do is you can actually go ahead and play and record it all into the into the head, mm-hmm. um, and then you can extract it later and just dump it into your software. But you can also run it. Um, live through your recording software as well. You have the option. Right. So you could probably run it through Easy Drummer. So if you're the program within your within your the head of your computer or of your sorry of your of your kit doesn't have the capability, you can still you know record all the zeros and ones if you want to call it that, and then right. just dump it in there and then change your sound. So in a way i don't think the computer on the kit is as important as the software you're going to be using if that makes sense right well i mean if you're going to say uh you've got a 8 or 16 track you know recorder that you're going through um because uh, like when we did uh the manual drums the acoustic drums we had a mic for you know, every drum, and then you had the overheads, and you know all that stuff. Which, with with the electronic ones, that's all kind of built in, so you don't really need to go through each individual track, because then we'd have one track for each one. So we had an eight-track recorder. You know, you had one for each drum. We had some overheads. We had it all kind of mixed in. Uh, whereas I think the electronic drum with the MIDI, when it goes into the software, say for Reaper, I'm assuming that each track would have its own drum. That's interesting. I wonder if it if it outputs that way. If you could just dump that file, and it'll be you know sixteen different tracks, if that's how right. it would work. It's a good question. Actually, it's something to look into. Because media, the digital portion, you can do a lot more with. I think, and you can kind of divide them up. I believe that that's how it works. Because 
you know, meaty songs when you when you launched it into a program, uh, and I think even programs that you've had where each like you'd have the guitar on one, you'd have the drums on another or whatever, but it would all be meaty digital files, right? Yeah. And you could put them on each individual one. I, I, I believe that it should work the same way. Okay. I do have a question yep. on the on the another question on the feel. Yep. Now, if you go say your say a snare for example. Yep. Okay. So a regular snare, you get the skin. Yep. Now, if you rub on the skin, it's a very very tight uh, plastic or whatever they use, right? Yeah. So it, it has a certain feel to it. And I'm assuming the tip of your stick when you hit it, it slides in a way. I don't know. Oh yeah, yeah. A whole lot about that, but I'm sure the feeling on hitting the rubber, uh, even if it bounced at the exact same. Well, the velocity, snare. Yeah. Okay, I know where you're going with this. this uh, when you're moving your sticks around, say if, say if you're you're just doing uh, just doing the snare, just doing a roll thing on the snare, right? And as you kind of move around the snare, uh, I'm assuming the rubber would catch more than slickness of an actual skin now does that affect the playing portion at all yes so in the cheaper kits with the or the cheaper snares or whichever way you want to call it um it's rubber so if you want to do some subtle because sometimes like i'll play and i'll drag my uh, the head of my drumstick just to get that whole shh sound um, right. like, especially like when you're like doing brushes and stuff like that you you can't do that on the low end ones but on the high end ones where the snare drum looks like a real snare drum, you can have that subtlety. It's not. It's not a rubber contact service. Oh, it's not. No. Okay. Then yeah. Then yeah. Then it'd be exactly like a regular drum kit. Yeah. So it just triggers. It's and it's like specifically all... only though. It's only the snare drum that that is set up that way. The other drums mm -hmm. are all rubber, like on the high end kits. But oh, you can. Okay. But but there's different levels again you can have every drum every electronic drum be similar to the snare drum but again you can change the sound on every single drum to what you want you can take your snare drum and turn it into a tom sound and have it just be the tom like one of the toms so theoretically you could buy a whole bunch of snare drums and, and go that way if you wanted to right. and, and just have that snare because I think though, I think the yeah, I'm trying to remember the high end one I tried. I think had all, you know, skins on all the drums, and they were like they looked more, you know, with the top and the bottom, and you know, and the body for every drum, if I recall. The only one that what the only thing that wasn't like you know even the I'm trying to remember now the bass drum was like that too. It was actually it looked like it wasn't the full size of like a bass drum. But it was the same thing, where it was a top, a bottom, and then the body. So you're actually hitting a skin. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I mean, the the high end sets actually would look cool live to play, uh, at least a lot cooler than like the the low end Yamaha kit. Right. And this is the Roland set you're talking about. This is the, the Roland. The yeah. Size. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So would I play out live with an electronic kit? I don't know if I ever would. But it's a lot closer to, to doing that. I mean, unless I was playing a coffee house or something. Then, yeah, sure. But, I don't know, playing live, I think, I don't know, set's a set, but I could be swayed. Especially if a yeah. you know, rolling contact me and wanted me to endorse the drums. Um, <laughs> go out and play live with them. I might do it, but I think the metal community would probably try to kick my ass if I was out <laughs> playing an electronic kit out there. Well, you know, with the, 
nowadays with with these new with these new drums, I mean, there's not. I mean, if, if you were to play in a concert somewhere, you have to mic them regardless, right? Yeah. So if you're gonna mic them, you I mean, you could just do the media thing, but I mean, then again, there's the price thing. You want to tour with a seven thousand uh, dollar drum kit, although I mean, probably some really good acoustic ones would probably could yeah. be that price. Who knows? But but imagine have playing a live show with electronic drums, like a good set. Mm-hmm. And then running through the board, it could be perfect. Like you could get a perfect live recording. Right. Everything going through the board like that, man, it would sound like a million bucks. You know, the first time I ever heard electronic drums, like really heard electronic drums, was I think uh, it was a ZZ Top, was it Afterburner? I can't remember which album it was. It yeah. Was that one. And it, 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 you could tell they were electronic. Yeah. I could really tell they were electronic. I think. Uh, the show of hands from uh, Eliminator? Which uh, one? Eliminator? Is that the first one where they switched their sound? Oh, did you talk? Yeah. Uh, it could have been one of those. I didn't really. Yeah, I didn't really. The short, sharp dressed yeah. man. And... But anyway, go on. Yeah, anyway, so, so that's the, the original sound that I remember. Yeah. But as time went on, and then I, I've heard some. Like later on, and I think even uh, I think Dick Brasher had a set that he had when they were playing the Belgian Club. Yeah. Uh, one time. Now I can't remember now how those sounded, but oh. I know they didn't sound the same as they did on ZZ Top. They've they've come a long way since then. Yeah. They. And, I and even, I played on that kit at the Belgium Club. Okay. And um, I, I like. Well, back back in the day, I liked using a lot, doing a lot of wrist action on the uh, on the ride symbol, and I, I couldn't. So this was a drum kit that had pads put on top, over top of it. Oh, right. So it was it was okay. that kind where you just buy the pad, you put the pad over top of your snare, you put the pad over top of your you know your toms, and then okay. I can't remember if it was the pads over top of the symbols or it was just the rubber symbols. I, I can't remember. But I remember right. playing the high, playing the ride cymbal, and kind of going, trying to go ding, da ding, 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 da ding, ding, something like that, and it was going right. ding, 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 like it couldn't, I couldn't okay, do six, I couldn't do sixteenths or thirty second notes or anything. It was yeah, strictly. Okay, so that model wasn't, uh, wasn't. Uh, yeah, I think I was limited to eight correct. notes on there or something. Like that's the most I could do. Like if I if I went faster, then it would instead of going. <laughs> Instead of doing, because I wanted to go ding, da da ding, da da ding, da da ding, or something like that, it would go ding, 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 ding. <laughs> and then I'd, you know, you're hitting it, and nothing's coming out till like a millisecond later, and it was it was very distracting to play. It was very, very difficult. Uh, now, I didn't, I wasn't able to do any fancy flourishes on the snare drum like I can now, but... You know, I, I don't know why if the snare drum was would work the same way or not, but I remember we played some blues songs. That's all I remember. Right at that show. Yeah. Hmm. So what was the next question? We're two minutes away from home. We may have um, to do a two-parter here. Would you buy that? Yeah. Uh, if I had the funds, there's nothing that would stop me from buying a set. Purely financial right now that I don't have one. Right. 
Like I would actually so, take my drum set that I have now, put it in storage, and exclusively use the electronic kit. Great. Like I have free time at night. Like I at night after the kids go to bed. Right. You know, sometimes the wife will play video games or, you know, she'll do work or whatever. I could actually mm -hmm. just practice and play and record. And you wouldn't wake anybody up? And I wouldn't wake anybody up, exactly. You just, so. like, you, just, you just like the guitarist now. You just plug in, put your headphones on. Oh, well, yeah. Like, I, I, I wish I could do that. Like, as we're working on, you know, as we're talking about working on songs and recording some songs, I'm really thinking I'm just gonna go I gotta go rent rent a set so I because I've, I've coming up with all these um, like some of the songs that we've written are the ones that I'd done like back in 2000 that I want us to re-record right like, I, I'm trying to program manually program those drums in like that's what I've been working on you know just using a drum program and just manually going or finding a beat that's similar to what I play and I don't play anything too typical like Maybe it's because I, you know, I'm a shitty drummer. I don't know, but I, like, the beats that I come up with are not the standard beats that you find, or I can't seem to find them, or how I do my fills. Like, I don't do fills, you know, I've got a lot of different influence on how I do my fills, and I might, you know, rip off a, a, a James Brown fill or something, or, you know, sure. but you I, can't, book, I, I, uh... I can't make the program, drum programs do what I want. Right. So I was like, fuck it, just get an electronic kit. Just, you know, I, it's something that's taken me two or three hours to work through programming it. I could play it, worst case scenario, I could play it over and over again for half an hour and then get what I wanted. You right. know, it's just like, it's so time consuming programming it, especially when I have the full ability to play. <laughs> like, it's not it's lack of ability. <laughs> and it's good if you rent it first, that way you don't have the buyer's remorse. You, you know, you're gonna dump, you know, a couple grand on a on a kit, and then you get it, and it's like, geez, <laughs> should I have, you know, spent this much money? So this way, at least if you rent it, you know what you're getting into. Yeah, but I think you can also rent to own there at Long McQuaid, so that might be. Uh... Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, there's that, there's financing too, for sure. Yeah, so I might, I don't know, I gotta talk to the wife. <laughs> it's a financial yeah. thing, right? So, but yeah, would I buy a kit? Yeah, no. No questions asked. It, it's not. It's not even a question. I would do it for sure. Well, if you need a place to store your other kit, uh, you can put it. Put it down here. <laughs> what, what's that? This is if you need the place to store your other kit. This is the room here. <laughs> yeah. Well, it'd be kind of. Oh crap! There's no one to park again. Uh, At home? Yeah. <laughs> Guess we gotta go park somewhere else. You think I mean, you lived in an apartment or something? You're trying to go around up and down the streets oh, trying to find oh, weather, but they're leaving now. Okay, I guess I can go in. Well, there you go. All right. Well, um, let's. I think we have a lot more to cover on this topic, so let's cap it off here, and then we'll we'll um, we can continue on. We'll uh, yeah, we'll cap it off here, and then we'll continue again. Okay. All right. Good. Okay. All right then. All right. We shall talk to you later. Talk to you later. All right. Bye. See ya. Okay. Bye. So. Hello. Hello. <laughs> We're continuing. Continuation. Continuation. So, um, 
it's funny that you brought up this this week because it was uh, I've been on uh, the Vinnie Vincent uh, kick for the last like month here now. Okay. Uh, the former guitar player for Kiss, and uh, probably one of their well, definitely their strongest songwriting partner that they've ever had. And um, he he did an album review of his first album. Like he was asked onto um, to a radio station to go over the album track by track and how it was written and all that sort of stuff. So right. when you think Vinnie Vincent or you think Eddie Van Halen or any of those guys. And they're all, you know, they're these guitar gods. I I expected him to want a real drummer, but the comments that came up electronic drums-wise from him was that when he actually uh, had to leave KISS and he was trying to put together some sort of project, the project was he just wanted to find a singer and he was going to play all the instruments himself and use a drum machine because he likes the sound of drum machines or electronic drums. He wanted to be able to program it. He said that worst case scenario, he wanted to hire a uh, a drum programmer to come in and program the drums. He didn't want real drums played because the issue that he had was drummers tend to speed up and slow down. Regardless of how good you are, True. You're never going to get someone who's who's in perfect time, and drums are probably the hardest thing to record. Right. So, unless the drummer is using a click track. Yeah. Yeah. But I think there's still imperfections in that. Like you may uh, you you may be pretty well synced with the uh, with the click track, but you're probably not a hundred percent on. Kind of. So you you still have that human element. Wait, you're what? Sorry. Well, you're probably not 100% perfect. Like, you might speed up this snare hit and then slow down the other, you know, and slow down the snare hit somewhere else. You're not going to be perfectly in sync. Right. I mean, it, it gives you the human touch. Yeah. It's not so so sterile. Because, I mean, some of these drum programs, they have that built in. What? So that it sounds more, more natural. Oh, do they? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Whatever algorithm they have in there, I mean, they'll be, when they're doing the hits, it might be a, you know, just a fraction one way or the other or whatever, just to kind of give it some human feel to it. Interesting. I, I actually wasn't aware of that. So, is it like like drum programs? Like which ones in particular? Uh, I, I thought Addictive Drums had something in there because you can kind of adjust. Now, is that the one uh, that Alex is using? No, I think that's Easy Drummer. Okay. Because yeah, I know if Alex that... is one, I can't, I can't tell. Like, it's, like, if he hadn't have told me, I, I mean, if I listen to a, enough of it, I'll go, oh, you know. Um, but, I mean, as a, as a guy who also happens to play drums, like, because Alex does play drums as well, mm-hmm. like, when he's programming, he's trying to make it sound as human as possible. So, like, you know, the drum fills he's choosing and that sort of thing, like, you know, maybe keeps it a little more real sounding. Not really sure. But what I was what I was saying was, um, when he recorded, he actually recorded a three song demo to shop to record labels after he was like, go from Kiss mm-hmm. or quit or however you want to look at it. And he played all the guitar, played all the bass, sang all the background vocals, 
And then he went and found his perfect singer that he was looking for, which was uh, uh, Robert Fleischman, who sang for... I'm, I'm thinking he sang for Journey at some point or something. Hmm. Um, re- yeah, Journey or... Uh, Journey or a band like that with a really high register uh, vocalist. Okay. Anyway, so he brought him in, and then he sang, and then that was it. And he was happy with the drums, so then when, based on the strength of that, he went and signed his record, you know, he got a record deal out of that. So then what they did is the drummer had to play over top of the electronic drums. (laughs) Because the album, the uh, label wanted real drums. But, but, you know, so they they weren't going to re-record everything, so they kept the demo that he put together... And the drummer had to play over top of the electronic drums and, and basically match them. Right. Which is weird. <laughs> it just like it's like playing to a click track, I guess. That must be difficult. Well, I mean, I guess uh, you're playing a guitar uh, on a on a record, and you're imitating the other guitar. You're playing one guitar over the other. Which is not really any different than playing the drums one over the other, really. I guess if you're doing like a scratch track sort of thing, is that what you mean? No, I mean, say you're, say you're practicing, so yeah. you're playing along with the music. You, it, that's pretty much what they're doing. They're playing along with oh, it. Oh, yeah, Then sure. they'll probably just get rid of the digital track after and just leave the, the acoustic drums on there. What's really, what's really interesting is when they did that, I don't, I don't know if you've listened to Vinnie Vincent, any Vinnie Vincent stuff or not. Have you? Uh, I had one of his uh, his VHS tapes. Or no, oh, okay. Or was that? Or no, was that Vinnie Moore? That was Vinnie Moore. Sorry, never mind. But it, yeah, but so if yeah. You, okay, well, if that if you actually haven't heard the first, like the first album, the second album, they actually had a real drummer. Right. But the first, well, sorry, they had a real drummer for both times. But the first album, I remember wa- like watching the video when it came out, and I'm listening to the drums, and like this sounds like a drum machine. Why do they have a drummer in the video? Because it sounded so digitized, like it didn't, like I don't didn't know. match. Uh, there was a few mistakes that the drummer made in the video. I think. I mean, there was a few mistakes that Vinny made in the video, uh, you know, lip syncing or lip playing along. But right. um, I don't know. It's just really interesting. Like that sound was so electronic, and then they had that Bobby Rock guy uh, coming. What in. year was this? Oh God, probably eighty. Let's see. Like so at the same time they had the ZZ Top had their album out with the well, digital oh, drums. Hang on, maybe because that was nineteen nineteen eighty four is when Lick It Up came up came out. Okay, Vinny did the tour for Lick It Up, or it was eighty three or eighty four, and then he was fired. So it would have been eighty five, eighty six, and I think yeah. Eliminator was in and around that time, like that first album they had with that sound. Yep, I think that was uh, maybe just maybe a little bit before that, maybe, but. So I don't yeah. know. I don't know if Bobby Rock, like the drummer for Vinnie and if he actually went and played on an electronic kit. Maybe that's what. But it sounded so fake. Like it. I don't know <laughs> if you remember the dance music from the '80s. You know that that really highly produced stuff. That all, yeah, like if you listen to like Thompson Twins or you know any of yeah. that that sort of stuff, like that really oh, yeah. mechanical sound. Nope. That's yeah. what it sounded like. Right. Well. So it, and it was rock. <laughs> but it, well, it was, it was like 
crazy psychotic. <laughs> like, you gotta. I, okay, I'm going to share that album with you just so you can hear it. I, yeah. I don't expect you to get more than one listen through. Right. <laughs> but um, it's like on the guitar side, it is insane. The way this guy picks. Yeah. He picks, he picks in a traditional um, Nashville bluegrass style, but with distortion and, you know, and playing super fast because right. he uses his, when he, when he's, when he's uh, picking, Right. Like you know, you when you're picking with a pick, you're using what your are you using your your forefinger and your thumb? Is that is that right? Uh, well, most most of the time that's what it is. I think Ed uses his middle finger. Or his middle thumb, but so he it, was, it just depends on the player. But so he was using a pick, mm-hmm. I guess, with his forefinger and thumb, and he was also using his pinky. So every time he struck with the pick. Like a millisecond later, he's also striking with his pinky. Right, he's not wasting his, like, he was using, his hand motion. I think he was using multiple fingers. Like, he might have been using more than the pinky, like multiple fingers and a pick, I think is how he was doing it. But it almost, but the way he played and the way, like, the settings of his guitar and his, you know, his whole, the, the, the guitar playing almost had a mechanical sound to it as well. There's no way you could ever emulate that on a computer or, or through a program. It was just so wild. But it, I, I, I really want you to listen to it. Like it, the playing is really wild. But okay. in, so, so I guess what I was trying to say is, if you're listening to electronic drums in a song, or, in, or like from a band, like I think it sounds really good. Like in the Vinnie Vincent setting, it matched this. It matched the setting that he was using on the guitar and the amp sound and all that sort of stuff. So having the electronic sounding drums made sense with the sound that he was trying to create. It actually worked. Mm-hmm. Um, if you listen to Nine Inch Nails, like he does everything himself, and then when it's time to tour, he puts a band together. So Trent Reznor like does everything. He programs everything, and right. having real drums would probably not sound right on the recording. So then, like, live, you get a real drummer who's trying to emulate that sound. Uh, another band is, like, Ministry, same thing. Like, it's all Al Jorgensen in the studio. And um, I was astounded, like, when I saw Ministry, they, they actually use as a real drummer live. And, like, I don't know how the drummer... I don't know how the hell the drummer can play these beats because they're really, really, really fast. Right. I mean, he's just taking a, a standard drum beat from whatever drum program he's using... And just cranking the speed on it, like right, right up there. So I guess well, it, in those cat cases, like I, I, I think it works. So what's okay. your what's your experience? What would you, what would you say? What if it sounds good? Or, it doesn't sound good. Like live? Yeah, electronic drums. Like if you're listening to an album, like oh, so using the ZZ Top example and that sort of thing. Like what's is? Do you like it? Does it work sometimes? Does it not work at all? Like what's your Take. Uh, well, the, I mean, past ones that first came out back in high school and stuff, uh, they had, again, had live bands and they had electronic drums, like, ooh, you know, the new thing. Uh, I didn't really care for it much. Um, but I know now, just with the software, like the Easy Drummer and, and the Drums and all those programs, when I'm running that and you have the headphones, it sounds 
it sounds better than drums. You know, when you say, you know, you when you hear a voice, and then when you hear a voice might, it sounds better. When you see, hear a voice, oh, mic'd, oh, I see what you're saying, yeah. You know how it enhances the sound? Yep. It, it's almost the same thing. Because now what happens is, is you've got the drums, or you've got the drums that are, well, they're simulatedly mic'd, right? Yeah. So, yeah, so then they add, you know, the and depending on what setting you have, I mean, you could have it so it sounds like you're playing in an arena and just, you know, sound like thunder. Or you could have it to sound like, you know, say the Beatles or something, where it's, you know, it's a thinner sound. But it's nice it's nice to have that option. And just like guitar players with all their effects pedals and stuff, you can play you can play a song. Uh, you know, this song will have uh, some phaser in it, or this one will have distortion, or this one will have whatever. So you have a pedal to emulate which one you want. Whereas the drums, you get the same thing. You want to sound like, you know, uh, Led Zeppelin, you know, a type kit, or you want to sound like, uh, you know, in anything else. I mean, you, at least you add have that option. Add this squeaky foot, <laughs> the foot. <pedal>. Yeah. <laughs> there, there must be a setting to add that yeah. in, I'm sure. Yeah, it's just a random, <laughs> yeah, it's a random program that just adds a squeak here and there. Yeah, that'd be, oh, that'd be, if there was such a thing, I'd, I'd probably want to go get it. <laughs> So okay, uh, yeah. so so let's so let's carry this into um, recording in the studio. Yeah. So are you saying that it'd be better to have the electronic kit? Like, as someone who recorded our album, like our Dome album, you're pretty much the the engineer for all that stuff. Like, right. what if if you had the option of uh, Oli going in and recording all the drums electronically? Mm-hmm. Versus using the the live kit that that we did with all those mics. From a from a recording engineer's perspective, what is the preferred method? So this uh, isn't programming the drums. This is still playing, okay. but playing off like, an electronic versus playing off a real kit and that whole setup. I would I I would actually probably pick the electronic kit. Because the way it was recorded is is fine, but depending on because everyone has their own sound, right? I mean, my guitar or bass or whatever, I want to tune it into a, to a sound that's appealing to me. Yeah. And the same with when you're you know you're you're doing voice or something, you you kind of you kind of bend it and do what you want with it so it sounds good to your ear. Right. Uh, same with the drums. I mean, the drums that we had recorded, there's nothing wrong with them they're great but if you went to the electronic ones there's always the thing what we're talking about you know when you talk about the metronome it's not always exactly the same at least when you have this MIDI with a trigger you can actually move the trigger point uh, to the to the BPMs so then everything hits exactly at the right spot and at the right velocity so I could I could you know say uh, you get a double drum and one leg is is stronger than the other one or one one hit is, is louder than the other one you want to even them out well i'm sure it's a lot easier to do digitally because now the i'm, I'm sure it's adjustable where you could you could do that whereas you can't with the acoustic drum what you get 
I know there is ways you can go in the programs and start snapping, you know, right to the to the BPMs, but I haven't really, I haven't really got into that <laughs> uh, too technically because of the, the amount of stuff that had to be done, and I couldn't really toy around with it too much. But but I I, I personally think that would be better, and and just for a size uh, like a drum kit, electronic drum kit, you could probably fit in a corner somewhere where you have the acoustic one. Where you take up a lot of uh, a lot of real estate, especially depending how big your studio is. Yeah. Like if I wanted to, like if I wanted to say, you know what, I'm going to take this cabinet out, and in this room that we've been recording in, I could fit a drum set in the corner. Yeah. You know, and then you could, and then everything I would wire through into the uh, uh, into the computer, either via interface or, you know. Um, that way you're not using I mean space is a big thing too uh, on top of that that's that's that is one of the nice things about it is, is the size but the um, like when you get the more expensive kits they do take up more real estate though because they're more okay. they're meant to look more like a real like that $5,000 kit I was the Roland $5,000 kit I was looking at right. um, that one was it was I mean, it wasn't exactly the same size as you know as, as a real drum set, but I mean, right. the cymbals are the same size. the The drums are the same size. The only difference, I guess, is the is the bass drum. It doesn't have to be, you know, bass like bass drums are, are huge, right? It's obviously the biggest instrument in the kit, but right. they don't have to be like that one. Doesn't have to be that size for feel right. because your foot's not like when you're playing drums and you're playing your toms and like you're you're familiar with the real estate so the size of of that tom the size of that snare and the, the size of that floor tom so when you're actually the physical motion of hitting the drums having it be the same size is advantageous because it's it, you know you're still playing essentially exactly the same way right but with the bass drum you're hitting the pedal like it doesn't matter how big the bass drum is from an electronic kit perspective Right. So it does kind of take up the same amount of real estate. The only difference is the bass drum on the more expensive kits. Right. Like on the really cheap ones, like all the all the pads are all like some of them are like really small. There's one kit that I was looking at. It was it was within my budget to get, but all the pads are so small that you would have to be precise in your playing and hitting exactly in the same spot every time. Right. But when I play on my snare, like I play all over, like I play all over it. Like I don't, I, but purposely so sometimes, like I'm not hitting it right, right in this dead center. I mean, right. I set it when I set my kit up, I set it to be dead center, <clears throat> but there's a lot of times I'm not hitting it in the middle. I'm hitting it on the edge uh, right. towards the outer rim. Cause you do get a slightly different sound or a slightly different, um, attack, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, versus, you know, if you're, you know, like in a guitar, if you're you're strumming down or strumming up, like it, it's just different, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, so size wise, it's kind of the same except for the bass. Okay, but now there's the uh, the audible. <laughs> now, if you had the acoustic drum kit in here with full cymbals and everything, you would go deaf within two minutes. Oh yeah. Where, whereas the electronic kit, you know, you throw it in, throw your headphones on. I mean, even without headphones on, just just the sound of you clacking and everything else would, would be loud enough in a small room. Um, Especially but, that but, bleed. Like you cannot play live unless you have a specialized studio. 
you know, where the amps, like where the drummer's in one room, say, and then, but all the amps are in another room and they're going directly to the board and everyone's wearing headphones. Like, you have to have a special setup because the drums are always going to bleed. Like, you can never do a, a proper live recording unless you have, you know, you've invested in, um, in the studio to have like either a segregated drum room or, or something like that. With an acoustic kit, you mean? Yeah, like it's just too noisy. If you're doing it, if you're doing it live, yeah, yeah. Because I mean, you, and depending on the acoustics of the room too. I mean, as soon as you hit the snare, whatever um, reverb, natural reverb is in the room, you'll be getting that you can't take out. Yeah. Or whereas you know, with electronic drums, it's pretty much dry, and then you just add as much reverb as you want. Yeah, or ambiance. Uh, like if you want to, you can turn on the room setting or the concert hall setting or or whatever. Yeah, so, there's built-in gates and stuff, so there's no, there's no, you, okay. you don't hear the resonance of the. So assuming, so assuming that you had the studio you wanted, yeah, would the studio? Okay, so we're gonna take this one step further. So if you had all the money in the world, and you know you could buy the house you want and have a studio or have a studio offsite, and you yeah. could build the studio you want, yeah, would you build a studio that would allow you to live record? acoustic drums so everyone so you could record the album live I mean obviously you would go in and punch in maybe vocals later and, and things like that but would you set your studio up in order to be able to record live with acoustic drums you know and then uh, yeah, having all the amps in the other room and everyone's wired in and with headphones like I was saying before like there's a lot of bands that have done it that way Mm-hmm. Or would you still go electronic drum? Because the electronic drum is 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 helpful in space, um, in uh, setup of the sound and all that sort of stuff. When you're limited uh-huh. in 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 money and space, but if you had right. the money, would you go acoustic or would you go electronic for recording? Well, see, the key thing you said is basically no limit, right? Mm-hmm. No limit. Why would I settle for one? Good point. I would take both. I'd, I'd have both on a, a rotating thing. I'd have the one set, the acoustic set, and then the other side, electronic set. And just like, just like on those talk shows, when the whole whole thing moves, right? Yeah. <laughs> so then it would just the, the sets would switch. And then I'd have a whole setup where there would be a stage on the same rotary thing with a wall in the back and way back there that would be like um, um, kind of dug in where uh, it's kind of like a how do you call it like an amphitheater type thing yep. and then when the whole thing turned around the whole band could play live out into the audience could have wow. free concerts it depends on where you build the studio <laughs> oh man that'd be an awesome there's someone that did that actually I'm trying to remember who it was there's someone that actually built their own nightclub it was a band or a performer. I can't remember. They built their own nightclub. Mm-hmm. I know Prince did that. But they built their own nightclub. It's in the middle of nowhere. And it's a bar, like with live bands. But then that band will play there all the time. And they built it because they, they built the stage they wanted to play on. Um, I, think, I think I remember seeing something on TV. Yeah. Man, I would love to have that. I would, ideally, if <laughs> having all the money in the world, I would actually have a studio... And a and um, a live performance venue 
all in one, but you could actually plug in from that stage, like you're saying, and actually yep. record the performances. Because, I mean, nothing beats a live performance. Like, I think, you know, when we're jamming in, we're jamming in Alex's basement, mm-hmm. um, like, th- those are some of the best performances we've ever had. Mm-hmm. Like, we just sound, you know, like, it was it was perfect. And there was a couple of places we played where the sound was, was immaculate. And it's like, God, I wish we could have recorded that show, mm-hmm. you know, properly, like, and then turn it right. into, like, a live album or something, like. That'd be, That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, like I, that's the one thing about like how we did our album and how a lot of bands do their albums is like they're you're recording like one instrument at a time, and electron like electronically that's you know, if you had the electronic drum kit you could probably do it a bit more live. Yeah. Or would you be able to like bass and bass and guitar? <laughs> so if you had an electronic kit in a room. Right. Right. And then you're going to record the bass and drums. And obviously you can't do the vocal live. Like, that might be too difficult. But, you know, at least get the the, the instruments playing all together. So you're feeding off of each other and off that vibe to record well, yeah, live. I, Could you actually yeah, do I mean, it with the bass guitar and the guitar? If you had an electronic kit, could you actually record live? Or would you get too much bleed... Like well, no, because I mean, all you got to do is just do as everyone does. It. I mean, just go by the click, do a scratch, uh, scratch track, yep. take the drums out. Then the drummer can play with the people. Oh, I see what you're saying. You know, so, uh, so then you have your live drum track that way because yeah. they actually played. Yeah, actually, that would work. And I yeah, think that's then probably just how wipe. a lot of them do it. That way, your drum. I think maybe that's how a lot of people do it. So you get that live, and you can play. You can have the strat, the scratch track to play along later when you're redoing the guitar and redoing the bass, I guess, right? Yeah, you can pull out each instrument at a time. Just fill in your own. It's, it's almost like the backing track. Yeah. You go there and it's got all the, it's got the music and you can have it with vocals or without or, you yeah. know, whatever. And then you just add your own, own guitar and stuff. But, yeah, it, it, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool how you can do that. You can just pull, uh, pull the instrument, instrument out, especially when it's meaty because it has each each signal has its own channel, so you just have to turn off the one you, you don't want to hear. Yeah. Because when I, one time back, well, back years ago, um, you know the song uh, Detroit Rock City? Sorry, which one? Detroit Rock City. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I had a MIDI file of that song. So what I did is I put it in the program and then it divided all the tracks, right? Yep. So what I did is I kept the drums and the bass and then I played over the guitar tracks because it was two separate tracks because there was a lot of harmonizing going on. Um, so yeah, so I, I just pulled out the old MIDI tracks and left mine in there and then uh, rendered it down that way. So you can always... Um, you can always uh, pull a track out anytime you want. Fascinating. What's that? Fascinating. Fascinating. So uh, the, the more the more we in this episode we go, <laughs> the more I'm like, oh, I gotta go rent a kit. <laughs> I gotta go rent an electronic kit. Well, uh, I mean, like, like, have you tried 
like you're saying you you like um, that uh, easy drummer, right? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Okay, so if you like, have you listened to like through like speakers? Yeah. So yeah. So then yeah, you just you just pull the track out you don't want, and yeah, there you go. And then you said fascinating. <laughs> and then oh, yeah, they're gonna cut oh, off. Yeah, and then I was talking <laughs> about getting a kit. Mm-hmm. Really renting a kit. Right. Oh, yeah. And then I asked you about your your speakers. So you're listening through your headphones or your speakers. I don't know if you caught that part. Oh no, I didn't. Okay. So did you listen to like was it your your computer speakers or was it headphones? Um. No, I was using headphones. Okay. And they sound pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm assuming that would be the same sound. Well, when you went and tried them out at Lana McQuaid, did you try them out live or did you have headphones? No, no, they only do it with headphones. Right. I mean, you can do, did, you can do it live. I don't even know. I don't even know if they come with speakers. You might have to buy. About, I, I can't remember. You might have to buy a PA so you can hear them. Uh. Well, yeah, yeah. You will have to go through a stereo, I guess, of some sort. Well, the other thing too with the electronic kit, I the, I didn't touch on this before, but when I was uh, now you and I are older, but when I used to practice. When I was practicing my drums at the the height of my my playing, um, I'd pop a CD in my CD player, and I'd crank the I'd crank the CD player as loud as it would go, mm-hmm. and then play along. So there was two issues with like we don't have that issue now, but one of the issues was it would skip because I was <laughs> playing because of my playing right because I I played loud I mean dad tried to squash that in me and he was fairly successful I can play quieter now but the other other thing was because drums are so loud that you're going to go deaf with headphones on even if they're you know headphones that um, that uh, what are they called the the reducing headphones that you have so you can't hear nothing outside of the headphones noise canceling noise cancelling yeah like I don't know if there's anything that that's powerful enough like if you were had those noise cancelling headphones on and were trying to listen to a song on those headphones in the same room while Oli was playing I don't know if that would work I think it would I think it would still bleed that'd be a, that'd be a hell of a test <laughs> that would be a true test yeah so that, that would was, be a true test so that was the issue with as a drummer practicing along to something if you're trying to learn a piece of music it was virtually impossible unless you had a stereo system that could just totally you know you could totally crank but then you're going to go deaf because you have to turn it up loud enough to overcome the percussion like I don't well, know if you've ever thought of that like if you're <laughs> practicing guitar like you just listen to what you're listening to and you know you just play well, along but there were so many hurdles to overcome as a drummer trying to be better and to learn stuff. It was just so, so difficult. Right. Well, when we rented the, the recording equipment and did the drums, yeah. the, the headphones that were rented were headphones that drummers use. Okay. Because because of the amount of, you know, bleed that you would have from when they're playing. Yeah. Uh, so they do make them. I mean, uh, quick and dirty, I mean, just get a pair of those you know those uh, headphones that they give kids uh, at the uh, yep. at the races so they don't blow yep. the eardrums out yep. okay 
throw the, the muffs. I mean, just take a pair of muffs. Uh, I think I did that back when I was working at Boeing. I mean, I, I put in those earbud things or whatever uh, inside the headphones so that, you know, you wouldn't get the, the, the clatter outside of it that you could hear really well inside. Right. And to me, that would be kind of like a homemade noise canceling. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of... I mean, your, your headphones would be quite big, but I mean, big deal. I mean, yeah, well, well, it wouldn't really matter. Should be okay. All right. Well, you know, I've reached my destination. I ah. think I think we've talked. Th- I think we talked this one out good, so that's good. Um, okay. Just, just before, well, I'll sign off now. <laughs> See you later. On the flip side, all that. I just want to talk to you after, though. Okay. All right. All right. Bye. See ya. See ya. Okay. So I was talking to. 